0: Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Everybody got their refills? Everybody ready to roll? Awesome. I expect no one to get up now. No one's allowed to move. Just kidding. All right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and move forward here uh, into our message. We are going to continue with week two of our carols uh, message series. You know, actually, today's worship um, moment was really perfect. And I these moments where... Um, where, you know, was not planned, you know, so like you throughout the week are thinking, okay, God, what do you want to do this Sunday in terms of worship? Um, Sometimes it aligns really perfectly with what the message is about. Um, And I think that today, um, today's song of O Come All Ye Faithful, but the other two songs that went with it and then are really perfectly blended with what we're going to talk about Today And so one of the things that, um, so before we get into it, we're kind of, what we're doing is we're exploring a few of some of the more famous hy- um, carols, Christmas carols, which are closer to hymns than the common Christmas song, right? Like Frosty the Snowman or like Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Those are like, those are like choruses, right? So in in, in the church world, if you have a, a chorus and then you have a hymn, you know, those kinds of songs are like choruses, but carols are much more akin to hymns and hymns have their birth in scripture, and, uh, and so we're, we're taking a few songs over the course of uh, the month that are some of the more famous ones and then really kind of looking at either a key line or a key theme in them and really exploring how God might speak to us and remind us about um, about the Christmas time and specifically what it means. And so um, one of the things I want to encourage you to do and that um, I've talked about a little bit, but... Uh, is, you know, these songs, and as all throughout the month, whether it's the four that we're going to be exploring or just any Christmas carols in general, I grew up in a church, and so all of these songs are incredibly familiar to me. You know, we sing them all the time. Most of us, I mean, are very familiar with them, and we probably could even recite most of them when we sing them. But I listened to them, but I don't know that I really ever truly heard them until I stopped and paid attention to some of the lyrics in them and they are incredibly theological um, like this song that we that we just sang today "O come all ye faithful has a line that says like like um in flesh appearing right that's the concept of like the incarnation right of of the divine being coming into uh human form and, uh, and I just think there's so many pieces of that about redemption, about salvation, about sanctification, about justification. These are all theological terms that are found throughout carols. And so I just want you to encourage you, um, particularly in this season, if you're feeling like, you know, uh, it's the same thing all the time. Like these carols are a great place to dive into a deeper place in your faith because they will maybe rekindle an area of your faith that maybe you haven't explored in a long time because there is such deep meaning in them. So, today we're going to be talking about O Come All Ye Faithful. And so I just want to read the lyrics of the first verse for us because that's going to set the foundation for our message. So it says, "O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, o come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him born, the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him." O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And then it says, sing choirs of angels, sing in exaltation, sing all ye citizens of heaven above, glory to God, glory in the highest, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. So the first verse of our song says, O come, all ye faithful, and then it says joyful and triumphant. It's talking to us, right? It's saying, come and give God praise, come and give God praise. But when I think about that lyric, oh come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant, I think many times myself, and maybe you guys in the room, um, oftentimes feel the opposite. I don't feel like I'm very faithful. I feel like I'm oftentimes like I miss the boat. I feel like I um, choose myself over um, other people. Um, I'm not always joyful. In fact, sometimes particularly during, um, during difficult seasons or when the weather isn't great or when uh, it's dark at five o'clock or when things are frustrating me in life, I am not joyful and I'm frustrated. Um, and triumphant is a word that I would not use to describe myself very often. Um, and maybe you guys feel that way. Do you feel like your life is a triumph or do you feel like it's a struggle? A lot of people that I know um, feel like their life is a struggle. In fact, um, my, my current supervisor, who I'm pretty sure is not ever going to listen to this podcast, so it's not a big deal to, say, to talk about her. Um, but uh, she's the kind of person that even when she's having a good day, you wouldn't know it because there's always something going on, right? There's always the, there's always the struggle of, uh, hey, how are you today? Oh, you know, like I've got these people like barking, um, knocking on my door today. Right? Like, do you know that? does anybody know a person like that right where no matter how good things are, they're always not great right that's that's a person who is not living a triumphant life. Um, and so we have this struggle, right? Like we have this struggle as Christians to where the song, which is out of scripture, it's out of the Bible, biblically based, it's saying like it's calling us. O come all ye faithful, that's us, right? God calls us faithful. O come all ye faithful, joyful, triumphant people, and yet we don't often feel that way. How many of us have felt a lack of faith or a lack of joy or a lack of triumph? I don't feel triumphant in my finances sometimes, or I don't feel joyful when I'm struggling with my kids. This morning's been a rough morning with one of our kids, and I don't feel triumphant in that area, you know? Like, I think I think that there's this, there's this juxtaposition of how we feel and yet how God sees us. And so the good news is, is that Jesus doesn't call people who are joyful and faithful and triumphant. Um, he actually doesn't. Um, he's not looking for those people. So before we really get into our message, who does Jesus call? Well, there's two reminders I want to give you. The first is that Jesus calls the weary and the burdened. And I love that because we sang that. This morning, right? Come all you who are weary. In fact, in Matthew 11, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, one of the most famous things that Jesus ever said was the invitation, right? He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. So, so like, don't feel guilty if you're feeling like you're not triumphant or if you feel tired, if you don't feel like you're full of faith right now. Know that you're in a good spot because you're welcome in his house. And you're welcome that he's looking at you saying, if you feel that way, come to me and I'll give you rest. So Jesus calls the weary and the burden, but it gets even better because Jesus also calls the sinners. Matthew 9, verses 12 and 13 says, On hearing this, Jesus reminded people, he said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So we see right off the bat, early in Jesus' ministry, he's making it clear who he's come for. He's come for those people who are tired people who are heavy, people who have the weight of the world on their shoulders, the people who have made mistakes, the ones who don't have their act together, the ones who struggle, the ones who every day does feel like it's it's a pain and that it's difficult. He's come for those people. So what if we were to you know change the song to say, Oh, come all ye sinners, weak and weary. I mean, that would be more realistic. But this is the point, I think, of the song and really of the gospel, is that it's not... It's not about where we start. It's about what, how God sees us. And it's about where he's taking us to. And so this song speaks from the position of what God is calling us to. He, <clears throat> if I were to talk to my kids, you know, and I, every morning I were to um, speak to them as though in the middle of their failure and call them by that all the time, they're never going to move beyond it. You know, if I say, hey, late person, you know, you're always late to school or you're always late getting out of bed. If like that's the way I call my kids, they're never going to move beyond what I know is capable of them. And so what Christ does for us, and we see it all throughout scripture, is he says, this is who you are. You are now a new creation. So this song says, oh, come all ye faithful, because there's an expectation that we are going to be faithful people. Come all ye joyful and triumphant ones, because that's the standard of living that we're called to live on. I love that Jesus doesn't leave us in our sinful state. He doesn't leave us in our weary state. He doesn't say, you can come and sleep in the barn. No, he wants to like welcome us into the table, welcome us and give us a feast and give us like a room, like a comfortable space to sit in his house and be a part of the family. And we see that in Second Corinthians five, seventeen, where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone and the new is here. So every one of us, <clears throat> every one of us have been called to enter a relationship with Jesus and to find new life, which gives us access to joy and faithfulness and triumph and and all of these types of things. And so the question really becomes, how do we become faithful? How do we become joyful people? How do we become triumphant people? How do we become a people that, that, that would say, yeah, that's me. Like, I am triumphant, I am joyful, and I am a faithful individual. Well, the answer is that in a relationship with Christ, The more time we spend with him and learning to walk with him and live with him, we become that way. He helps us to become that way. So let's look into a couple ways that that happens, how each one of those happens. Jesus helps us to become more faithful. In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So the first thing that it's talking about is this idea of like, I don't feel faithful, God. I want to be faithful to you. I want to think about you on a regular basis. I want to spend time with you. When I'm when I'm afraid because a circumstance comes up and my first thought is to you know check my bank account or um, you know or maybe I. I pill out the the pills that I've relied on for so long to kind of help me feel better in this moment. Or maybe I go out to the bar at night, you know, for, you know, happy hour. Because those are the things that I kind of do to like when I get stressed out, that's the first thing that I do. Or, you know, or I call my mom and I complain about things, whatever it might be. There's so many different things that we do when we feel, um, you know, afraid or frustrated or stressed out or guilty or whatever those things are. What if the first thing that we did was we stopped and we reminded our eyes to fix ourselves on Jesus? Like, what if the first thing that we did was we just kind of closed the door of our office or we we went to the bathroom and closed the door of the stall or we just went somewhere to kind of be alone for 30 seconds or a minute and we just stopped and we just said, God, this thing that just happened to me or it's reminding me of... Like, it's taking me to a place that I don't want to go. I want to remember you and what you've called me to do. And in that process, that's the process of becoming faithful. Because now you're remembering who has the answer, right? I'm becoming faithful by, by fixing my eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith, which means it's a process. Like, he's not just the author, author of our faith. The author is the one who started it but he's the perfecter of it, which means that every day he's looking at us and going, okay, that was good, but try this next time, right? And he's continually lovingly nudging us as we go along. So we become more faithful as we continually fix our eyes on him and remind ourselves to go to him. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word through the word of Christ. Now this is why it's so important to be connected to a body of believers that are studying scripture. Because the verse here says, faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God through Christ, right? The word of Christ through scripture. So, and that's why it talks about, like scripture talks about like singing um, psalms to each other and, and, and talking to each other, encouraging each other with scripture, right? Because as we speak about God's word, something happens, the Spirit of God like amplifies it audibly in the room and it resonates in our spirit and in our hearts and encourages us. My hope for you, for each of us, is that when you walk out of here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday evening or any time that we're together, like at coffee and we're talking to each other and we encourage each other, any of those kinds of things, my my hope is that you will leave being lifted, that you feel like, I have the strength to move forward, even if it's just for another day. Like, I trust that that this thing that's bugging me is going to be okay. Like, And that happens when you hear the word of God spoken. That happens when, you, when you're in the presence of God. So we become more faithful as we spend time in God's presence and as we spend time with each other, which the Spirit of God is, is present in our lives. So, So when we sing the song, O come all ye faithful, we become more faithful. And Jesus helps us to become more faithful as we fix our eyes on him and we spend time with him. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 2 to 3 gives us a promise about what it'll be like walking with him every day. Bless you. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Again, the song that we sang this morning, right? Oceans, right? This idea. I love the imagery of, like, I will fix my eyes on you and keep my eyes above the waves, right? So what does it say in Isaiah 43, 2? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Trusting in Jesus, spending time with Jesus, keeping our eyes focused and fixed on Him in the middle of waves and rivers and fire and all of those things is what builds faithfulness. But remember, remember that God calls you faithful. He doesn't call you what you are now. He sees you as faithful. So step into that space. The second part is Joyful. Joyful. Jesus helps us to become more joyful. And how does that happen? (laughs) How do we become more joyful, especially for people who maybe your tendency is naturally like mine, which is more Eeyore-like, right? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, um, my parents gave me an Eeyore doll. Um, I don't know some of the some of the youngins in the room. You guys all know Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore, okay? Um, anybody know Care Bears? Anybody ever seen Care Bears? All right, so I so you. I had a grumpy Care Bear and I had an Eeyore doll. These are <laughs> these are You're what I yeah. So <clears throat> so um, some might call that a pessimistic uh, personality. Um, Others might call it a realistic personality. <laughs> Either way, um, so much so was it exhibited in my life that my parents felt the need to to kind of give me that as, I guess, a joke. I don't know. Um, Eeyore and Grumpy both are, are, the, are characters who are personified by negativity, personified by allowing circumstances to dictate the way that they see the world, right? The way that they find pleasure in the world. Um, and I think that is, I think everybody is susceptible to that, whether or not we are personified by it as much as others. I'm 38 years old now and I've learned to, to mitigate that and I've learned to work through that. And, and But I, if I'm honest, I still have a tendency to allow my circumstances to define how I feel about things. And I would say this, happiness depends on happenings. So we can say that happiness depends on happenings. I can be happy or unhappy with my circumstances, but joy depends on Jesus. Okay? And that sounds like a cliche, but it's truth. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love and what's the next one? Joy. Love and joy. So, a fruit on a tree just grows. If the tree is healthy, it can't help but bear fruit. That's literally the point of the tree, is to grow fruit. And so the Bible makes it clear that if you have the Spirit of God living within you and you are in a healthy relationship with God, joy will be a fruit that comes out of you. Now, again, happiness is dependent upon your happenings, but joy is dependent on Jesus. Now, what is joy? What is joy? Let's look at Luke 2, verses 10 to 11. This is where the angels have now come to the shepherds and has announced the birth of Jesus. And it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy. It will cause joy for all the people. And today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. The greatest element of a source of joy is the fact that we are called into the relationship with our creator the one who gives us the ability to find peace and to find love, the one who says that we are his children, the one who loves us, the one who doesn't count our sin against us, the one who doesn't um, doesn't continually have a check mark or a box of all the things that we've done wrong and all the mistakes. And he's not passive aggressive. He doesn't remind us constantly of those things. He's saying, no, that's not who you are. He's always encouraging and pulling us closer to him and, and, and wanting more for us and helping us to realize our potential and to 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 call us into better things and to bless us and to love us that god that relationship causes me a joy that even when my circumstances stink like like I, there are things that i just wish were better there are things that i just can't fix there are things that 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 have either i've done to myself or things that others have done to me or the ripple effect of other people's choices that i have no no choice about and that maybe I'm just dealing with those things. And that can cause me to be frustrated and it can cause me to be unhappy. But in those moments, I have actually found as your pastor, as Jared, as your friend, I can say I have learned what it means to still have joy, which is like an underlying, deep, centered, foundational thing. Like a foundation of joy that no matter what's going on, I still know that above all other things... I have like a, a resounding goodness, a resounding identity, a resounding um, uh, strength, like, a, a, like the word thing is like a, a consistency, like a baseline that I know I can trust in, you know, and that is, is like gives me joy. Now, I will say that the more time I spend in the presence of God, the more joy feels to bubble up. So there is this sort of, I don't want to say cause and effect, I guess it, maybe it is, but it's not, I don't want to say it's like a formula, okay? But there is, there is the idea of you reap what you sow. That's scriptural, That's biblical, we see that. Um, and then we see in, like, in John 15 where Jesus talks about the, the tree and, and the, the branches, right? He says, I am the, the, the tree, I am the branch and you are the vine, like stay connected to me and you will bear fruit. So if we want that fruit of joy, then we need to spend time in His presence. And, and I would say, like, if you can get by with on a regular, you know, regular time when things are going well with your regular routine, and you have the right amount of joy and the right amount of love and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit, that's great. But here's the thing. When the weather starts to turn in your life, right, and, and maybe a tree gets chopped off because something fell on it, like these are circumstances I'm talking about, like the metaphor here. it's more taxing on the plant now and then you really need to put more effort in those times to keep the tree healthy and so if you want joy even the same amount of joy even the same amount of peace the same amount of love those fruits to grow on your plant then you need to put a little more extra effort in right fix our eyes on the savior to, to receive that joy. Like, don't let the waves, like instead of just let the waves like splash over your face, like you have to tread water a little bit, you know? Like you gotta kind of keep yourself up there. And that might mean saying, you know what? When I, when I instead of taking a lunch break, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read my, my Bible for a little bit today. It might mean, you know, before you go to bed, instead of watching TV up till the bedtime, maybe stop for a half an hour and just like put some worship music on and go to sleep. I don't know. There could be a lot of different things. It might mean, you know, like, like starting a new Bible plan. Maybe starting a second Bible plan in addition to your first one. I don't know. There's all sorts of different things. The point is, is that in order, in those moments when you are feeling joy less, you might need to push a little bit more into the spaces that are going to produce the fruit. And then lastly, Jesus helps us to become more triumphant. So Isaiah 9 Verses 6 and 7 talks about what it means to be triumphant. It says, For us, to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. He will be called Everlasting Father. He will be called Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. When I think about triumph, that sounds triumphant. Like when I think like that guy, the Messiah, Jesus, like he's in charge of all things, right? If we believe that he is who he says he is, what scripture says he is, there is nothing that he cannot handle the world is at his footstool is his footstool right he has all authority he has he is in charge of all things the bible says that he was with the he was in the beginning he was the beginning that he spoke that and when he spoke the world the universe was created like that's the god that we serve so i understand he's triumphant but i don't feel that triumphant and yet there is this again this space this space in which in which we, because we're connected to him, have access to his authority. We have access to his power. We have access to those things. And so, while we can't you know, say to my problem, do it, and it's gonna listen to me, like be fixed, we talk to our creator and know that that thing, because our God has control over those things and he has our best in mind, and he wants good things for us, that he will not allow the fires to consume us, he will not allow the waves to overtake us, that as we fix our eyes on him, as we trust in him, as we look to him, as we align ourselves with him, when we make our lives be according to his principles, we trust that whatever that problem is, will not overtake it. And we speak to it in Jesus's name and wait for him to do it. And I think about when I was a, uh, when I was a teenager in high school, I remember um, this was the time when I was I, I was in my black era. I was wearing my trench coat and I wore sunglasses in school because I thought I was kid. Uh, I thought I was cool. And um, I remember going into the lunchroom one day and there was a group of um, just, I don't know, like just like a, a group of guys who all were hanging out and they were kind of like our enemies, if you will, right? And I, no, they were not, <clears throat> but um, they... I don't know. I mean, it was like everybody was kind of our enemy. But I walked into the cafeteria by myself at this point, And um, I was walking to the line, which was ahead of me. And then to the left, there were rows of tables and on probably the, the second to last row before you get to the line, there was a group of these guys who kind of just stood up because they felt like being bullies, right? And I'm walking there and they kind of just step in front of me in a line. And I remember just like it was probably two or three of them. And I remember just looking at them, although they couldn't see my eyes because my sunglasses were on, and they were very clearly just flexing, like, about to start something. And I just I just wasn't going to back down because that's the kind of person that I was. And I thought that, you know, everything, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought maybe I was about to get into a fight. I didn't care at this point, but I wasn't going to let these guys get in my way. And then all of a sudden, my group of guys walk in from the room and all stand next to me and beside me. And so now there's like six of us, tall, decked out in all black with combat boots, trench coats, all of us looking like, you do not want to mess with this group of guys, right? And at this point, our reputation really preceded us, you know, because they thought that we were like, you know, doing weird stuff in basements. I don't know. (laughs) But, all of a sudden, that group of guys that were there in front of us, just you, see, you saw their shoulders slump. You could see them kind of like look at each other with confusion. They don't know what's going on. And immediately they backed off and went and sat down. And I got in line and got to go get whatever I was out of the food. Now, the moral of this story here is that, is that I had a confidence built into me because I knew who I was with. Because I knew the, the individuals that were with me. In this passage of scripture that we just read in Isaiah 9 where it talks about who Jesus is. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the prince of peace, the everlasting father, the mighty God, right? The one who was, the one who is to come. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Nothing comes into being without him speaking into existence. He is the chosen one. He saves us from sin. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the savior and lifter of our head. He is born the king of Angels we come to adore Him, He is Christ the Lord. He is the one who helps us to be triumphant in our lives. It doesn't mean that every circumstance that we come against is going to be fixed immediately, but it does mean that nothing will come against us that will consume us that is not a part of His plan. And so when we sing songs like "O come Augie, faithful, joyful and triumphant, you are those people. We are those people. And as we spend time with Jesus, as we fix our eyes on Him and remind ourselves of all those titles that we just read there, that brims me over with confidence. Like, would my bill, my electric bill is going to cause me to feel like I'm a failure? It's going to cause me to feel like I'm weak and like, I'm, like I'm, I'm destroyed? No. Like, I know who I am. And I trust God. I'm doing my best. You're going to help me and I trust in you. I believe in you and I'm going to do, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do all the things I need to do is do my part. But I trust that you have your best best in mind for me. And I will be triumphant. I will live a life of triumph. I will not be that person that looks at my life defined by mistakes or looks at my life defined by annoyances. Instead, I will look at my life as a series of, as a series of obstacles that I have overcome because of the power of the gospel living within me. I will look back over my life and I will tell people, no, oh my gosh, if you knew me back then, man, like, look who I am now that's what it means to be triumphant. That's what it means to be victorious. And, and that brings me joy. When I think about where I've come from and where I am now, when I think about what God has done in me and what He is doing in me, it wells up joy in my soul. So that's O come all ye faithful. Let's pray together as we close this, this message. God... I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you for giving us life. I thank you that you don't give up on us when we're faithless. I thank you that when our circumstances are are pathetic and pitiful and they're terrible, that you give us joy that causes us to not lose hope. God, I thank you that we we know you have our back, that no matter what the circumstances are, even when it looks like everything is falling apart, that we can trust in you and that we will triumph. You call us victorious and in a minimum you have overcome the grave and that death will not defeat us I thank you for it God, give us joy. Well it up, God, in us. I pray that as we spend time with you, we would clearly feel the fruit of joy growing on us, God. Like, and let, that we would share with others, God, the fruits of love and joy and peace and, and, and uh, great uh, gentleness and, and goodness and faithfulness. God, all of these things, I pray that they would just, they would grow on us abundantly. God, call us to you. Call us to a, a relationship with you, you, God. I pray that you would remind us to look to you first. God, for each one of us in the room, even, even right now, guys, just think about maybe something um, that is causing you anxiety or stress or frustration or, or guilt, whatever it might be. You know, as I've been talking today, something is just kind of welled up in your mind. Think about that thing now. And then just, just tell the Lord. Say, God, I'm fixing my eyes on you instead of that thing. I'm trusting that you will take care of this. God, show me what to do. Give me guidance. Yes, I will do my part. Give me strength to to do whatever needs to be done in that circumstance, whether it's just to weather it or if there's something I should do or need to make it right or whatever that is. God, help me to know what to do. But above all things, I fix my eyes on you. I trust you, God. And in that presence, I will receive your joy and triumph and faith. And in this season, God, as we move, you know, in the next couple of weeks, getting closer and closer to celebrating Christmas Day and your, the birth of Jesus, um, I believe there will be temptation and tests for us to put this in practice. Mm-hmm. Would you remind us even then, again, fix our eyes on you. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. We trust you, God. Jesus' name, amen.